Hey, everyone. How you doing today? Everybody good? Yeah. Well, welcome. It's awesome to be together. I want to welcome all of you here and online. Uh, just really excited about what God is already doing in this house today. Just so grateful for Andrew leading us in songs and already singing about some of the things God wants to do in our heart today. So, uh, man, it's awesome to see how the Holy Spirit works. So just thank you. Um, but we are going into a new season it is fall 2020, and um, you know we're, we're entering into this new season, and we are entering into a new series here at Hope, and we're going to be studying the book of Joshua. Now, for those of you who know about Joshua and the story of Joshua, you know that this is a book that's all about going after everything that God has for us. This is a story about pursuing the promises of God. So this is going to be a very inspiring and encouraging series. Now, how many of you know, if there's something you want in life, you got to go after it. And uh, we've, we've seen uh, a lot of, of shortages in 2020. You know what I'm talking about? You know, first it was the toilet paper. And uh, I don't know how that happened, um, but we were all, you know, looking for toilet paper. And then it was the Clorox wipes and uh, even now a coin shortage. You know, I mean, these, these are hard times. And uh, now you have all these uh, children doing school at home. And of course, now there's a desk shortage. And it's a real thing. You know, our family experienced this crazy shortage of desks and uh, we are we're actually homeschooling for the very first time in our lives and we're we're excited about that but this year we needed a, a desk for Lydia to study at home and uh, you know a few weeks ago I got online and I'm checking Amazon out and every desk is sold out I get on Wayfair and it's like every desk is sold out and I'm like I can't believe this like we just need a desk and every place is sold out well, one night, um, I'm, I'm checking again, just trying to, to stay on this, and I find out that there are some children's desks at Ikea. And so I'm like, we got to go. It's Wednesday night. It's 8 o'clock. Everybody get in the car. We're going to Ikea. So we go to Ikea. We go to the section with all the children's desks. And I am blown away because there are just, it's a zoo up there. There's families. There's kids. Everybody's looking around trying to get a desk. I get a tag for a desk that the website is saying in stock. I take that tag to the warehouse, I get to the spot that it's located, I look down and the shelf is empty. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, I just need a desk. So I'm thinking, man, it says there are some desks here. There has to be a desk around here somewhere. So I back up and I look up and like the top, top shelf, I see 12 children's desks. And so my mind goes to work. I'm thinking, how do I get that desk down here so I can take it home? So of course I go to the customer service person. I'm like, man, you know, like I re we're desperate. We need a desk for our daughter. You know, I'm like trying to play the dad card here. Like, help me out, you know, like I'm desperate. And, um, and I said, there's some desks. I see them. They're up on this top shelf. Could you get somebody to bring one down so I can buy it and take it home? Oh, well, sir, I'm sorry, we can't do that. You know, the forklifts only come out at night um, when we're closed. And uh, so I'm sorry we can't do for that for you today, but um, if you'd like to come first thing in the morning, 
there is a chance, a chance, that you might get a desk for your daughter. So I had a promise to pursue. Next morning, get up, we're ready. We're going to Ikea. Thursday morning, um, everything's canceled. We're going to Ikea. We get there at, you know, right before it opens, 10 o'clock, and you wouldn't believe it. There is a line stretching from the front door of Ikea all the way across the entire store. And I'm starting to panic because I know how many desks there are. <laughs> I saw them last night. And I'm thinking, here's 100 people, and they're all going to take off running after the one desk that I want. So we, you know, we kind of wait. Everybody shuffles their way through. And Ikea is a huge place. So you know most of these people are going to try to work their way through this entire maze. But I know the shortcuts. So as soon as I get in, I take off running. Um, I'm not even sure where my family is, honestly, at this point. I take off running for the warehouse. I get to the shelves. I look down, and there is my IKEA desk. I fall on my knees. Glory, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. Now all I got to do is put it together. <laughs> That's a whole other story for a whole other time. We were going to do whatever it took to get that desk. We were in pursuit of a promise. As we begin the book of Joshua today, the book of Joshua is about pursuing a promise that God has for our lives. This book is going to challenge us to move forward into everything that God has for our life. It's an exciting book, right? It's going to take strength and it's going to take courage to step into those promises that God has for our life. And maybe today, for you, the battle is, is in the mind. And as you, you know, ponder, maybe it's a health issue in your life. Maybe you're, maybe you're pondering um, the health issue of somebody you love. And there's this battle in your mind. Maybe today you're kind of on edge because of a transition that's going on in your life, whether it's kids being at home, whether it's school, whether it's just changes here at Hope going through, whatever it is. Maybe for you today, it's looking at the world around us. You go, wow, you know, things are getting pretty bad. And you look at the division, you look at just how things are going culturally. And you go, man, how could it get any worse? Maybe today, you're here, you tried God, God didn't work out, you tried Jesus, Jesus didn't come through for you. We're all facing many challenges and many battles today. But I want to encourage you that God isn't done with you. He isn't done with your life. He has a promise for you. There's a promise for you to pursue. God actually wants to establish you in his promises. And that's what the book of Joshua is all about. But to understand this book, we need to set the scene. So even before we open the first page of Joshua... Let's begin to set the scene. Joshua and the people of God are on the very edge of the promised land. They're on the plains of Moab, on the eastern side of the Jordan River. They look across that river. They see Jericho. They see the land of Canaan. This is 
the land flowing with milk and honey. It's the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as they stand there looking across the river, it's a reminder that God is fulfilling his promise in their life. So today, as we look at this powerful book, as we enter into this story, I want to show you that we have a promise to pursue. But just like Joshua learned 3,500 years ago, we've got to understand this, guys. Just because it's promised doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Just because God promised it doesn't mean it's easy. So there are battles ahead. And it's going to take strength of soul and courage to fight. But rest assured, the victory is the Lord's. And he's won the victory. So today, we're going to begin to step into this story. So if you have your Bible, please open it up. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. Our theme today for the series is Pursue the Promise. We're in pursuit of the promise of God. Here's how Joshua 1 begins. We'll look at Joshua 1, verses 1 through 6. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, into the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. What an incredible way to start this story. Let's pray. We'll dive in. God, thanks for this morning. Thank you for your promises. We come today, God, with just many you know, battles in our hearts. Father, I ask that you would, you would calm our hearts, calm our minds, help us to be present to you and present to your word. Speak to us, God. Encourage us with the truth of your promises. Help us to press forward and to take the land that you've given to us. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going um, to take a look at this, this story today. And uh, first thing I want to show you is, is just to look at Joshua here. And what we see in the story of Joshua is that Joshua has a promise to pursue. And it's not a new promise. Um, God says, I'm, I'm giving you the land I swore to your ancestors. This is an old promise, but it's actually a new season of pursuing that promise. Uh, it's not the promise that was new. This is actually the promise that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you remember the story, Genesis 1, God creates the world. Genesis 3, humanity falls in sin. Sin spreads. There's a flood. And then God begins his 
plan of redemption by calling a man named Abraham and by giving him a promise. So the promise actually goes all the way back to Genesis 12. And if you look at Genesis 12, Abraham is called by God. And God is going to bless Abraham. He's going to make Abraham into a great nation. And then God leads Abraham to the land of Canaan. And, and God appears to Abraham and he says, he says, look around. He says, all this land you see, that's the land I'm giving to you and to your seed. And your descendants will, will be more than the stars in the heaven. You guys remember that promise God makes to Abraham? That's the beginning of God's redemptive plan for the world. And then, and then God says to Abraham, but by the way, before you get there, your descendants are going to be slaves in another land for 400 years. And sure enough, um, Abraham's descendants end up in Egypt. They are slaves. They're in bondage. They're, um, they're, 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 they're doing this hard labor for Pharaoh. And, and it is a terrible season of, of slavery where they're crying out to God, desperate to be set free. And then God in his mercy, he raises up a deliverer named Moses. And Moses comes with the power and the presence of God, and he sets the people free. He leads them on an exodus out of Egypt through a wilderness to the very edge of the promised land. And then what happens? Moses dies. He gets them all the way from freedom to the very edge of the promise, and he dies. And this is how the book of Joshua begins. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, it says, After the death of of Moses, the servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. I can't think of a more depressing way to begin a story. Moses is dead. Your leader is gone. This is a dark, dark season. Their world has been turned upside down. This just isn't a, any old leader, is it? This is Moses. Remember Moses? Moses encountered God in the burning bush. Moses was the one that would go up to the mountain with God, and he would talk to God face to face as a man would speak to a friend. Moses received the Ten Commandments. He'd raise his staff and the seas would part. When anybody had a problem, they came to Moses. He would strike the rock and water would gush forth. Moses was a mighty man of God, a mighty leader for the people of Israel. And our story begins today with Moses is dead. The one you thought was going to take you into that promise, he is gone. And that's what makes Joshua chapter 1 so significant. So you see, in Joshua chapter 1, God is beginning to put into place his succession plan. See, when we go through transition, we're at a loss, aren't we? We can't see what the future holds. But God's not at a loss, is he? And he says, as I was with Moses, so too I will be with you. And this is the word of encouragement that begins in Joshua chapter 1. There's a great quote 
by A.W. Tozer. As we think about change and transition, this is what A.W. Tozer says. He says, when a man or woman of God, uh, excuse me, when a man or woman of God dies, nothing of God dies. As he was with you, so too. As he was with you then, so too is he with you now. That's the encouraging word God brings to Joshua. Verse 2. Now then, Joshua, arise. You and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. And then verse 5. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Do you hear what God is saying? As I promised Moses, so too I promise you. As I was with Moses, so too I will be with you. Guys, only God can say that. What we need to understand about change is that seasons change. They do. But God stays the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Guys, only God can say that. Only God can say, as I was with you then, so too am I with you now. God doesn't change. The seasons change. But the promise remains the same. That's an encouraging word for every one of us today. And God is calling Joshua to pursue that promise. So Joshua's about to enter the battle. But you, did you hear that God has already promised to win the victory? It's really important. Verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Didn't Jesus say that? Sounds a lot like Jesus. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. So Joshua's going to lead Israel as they win the victory over the promises of God. And if you look at the end of the story, the land is theirs. God's kept his promise. And so Joshua, he has a promise to pursue. What I want to show you today, and this is really important, is that Joshua's story is just a small story in the big God story. Joshua's story is just a small story of what God is doing in history, in his story. And every one of us here today gets to be a character in the story of God. See, we have a promise to pursue. It wasn't just for Joshua. You have a promise to pursue. I have a promise to pursue. But if we're going to understand the promise that God has for us, we need to understand Jesus. And we need to understand how Jesus relates to Joshua and how all of this relates to us. Because Jesus and Joshua are connected. 
And that's how we connect to the bigger story. Let's just start with Jesus' name. Does anybody know Jesus' name in Hebrew? Any of you know that? What is it? Yeshua. This is interesting. So Jesus' name in Hebrew is Yeshua, which is translated into English as Joshua. It means the Lord saves. In Matthew 1, when the angel appears, the angel says, you will call his name Jesus. Hebrew Yeshua. For he will save his people from their sins. See, we have a Yeshua. We have a Joshua, and his name is Jesus. And so the message of this series isn't just be a Joshua. I would love to be a Joshua. Inherit the promises of God. But what the Bible tells us is that because of sin, we are not good enough to inherit and claim the promises of God. We can't do it on our own. We need a Joshua. We need a greater Joshua. And that's who Jesus is. He is our Yeshua. He is the one leading us into a victory that he has already secured on the cross. That's our Jesus. And so he is leading us today into the promises of God through his death on a cross for our sins, his resurrection from the dead, and his victory as he is seated in heaven, ruling and reigning over all things. That's our Joshua. And he is leading you and me today into the promises of God. And so what I want to encourage us today to understand is that you have a promise to pursue. You are a part of the big God story. You are not just part of a small story. You are a part of his story. You are a part of history. You are a history maker in this world today. So we need to understand the promises that God has spoken over our life. And if you want to understand the promises of God as they point to Jesus, you got to read the story of God. And as we look at the Old Testament, I want to show you just a few promises of hundreds and hundreds of promises of what God is going to do when Jesus comes. Because we are a part of this story. And I would just take you to Genesis 12. So we're going to to actually flip here to some scriptures. But you've got to see this. You have to see the promises that God has made. Genesis 12. This is the promise God makes to Abraham. This is the big promise big promise of redemption that God has spoken over our lives. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, that's Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. That's the promised land. That's where Joshua has taken the people. And what does God promise? This is for Joshua. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. That's the story of Joshua. Joshua is taking the descendants of Abraham into the land God has promised. He's going to make them into a great nation by the end of Joshua. That's what's going to happen. But why is God doing all that? What is the promise God made to Abraham? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to make your name great. Why? So that all peoples on earth. Where? Earth will be blessed through you. That's what God is doing in the world today. 
through this people, through this nation, through the promised Messiah, God is going to bring his blessing to the nations. How many of you know our God is a God of blessing? That's right. He is a God of blessing. And through the death and resurrection of Jesus, God is bringing, we are experiencing the blessing of a relationship with God. Forgiveness of sins, eternal life, the hope, right, and a future and all of this. See, this is incredible. Joshua brought blessing to a nation. Jesus is bringing God's blessing to all the nations. And you and I today are literally the fulfillment of that promise. God is fulfilling his promise in us today. That's incredible. Take a look at Psalm 2. Another promise of what God's going to do through the Messiah, through Jesus. Psalm 2. We're going to keep connecting this with the story of Joshua here. Psalm 2. So in Joshua chapter 1, we're going to get here, um, just two seconds. God says to Joshua, I'm giving you the land to possess. And God actually defines that territory. I don't know if you heard that, this. God says, your territory will be from this desert to this river, the Hittite country to the sea. So God marks the territory. What does the father say to the son? Psalm 2, verse 7. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. The speaking of Jesus, the promised Messiah. You are my son. Today I've become your father. And then it says, ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Isn't that incredible? Joshua gets a piece of land. Jesus gets the end of, ends of the earth. Ask of me, and I will give the nations as your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your possession. Guys, do you think Jesus forgot to ask the Father for the ends of the earth? Or maybe did he say, your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. You're starting to see where this is going? God is at work in history. He is writing an incredible story, and we are a part of those promises. Just one more. How does Jesus bring his kingdom to the ends of the earth? It's just like Joshua. Jesus is bringing all things under his feet. Did you catch God's promise to Joshua? Every place your foot steps, I'm going to give it to you. And they march into the land. 
God begins to give the land to Joshua. 1 Corinthians 15. You have your Bible. 1 Corinthians 15. It's one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. It's actually just a description of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. It's a summary of what God has done in history and is doing in history. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. You hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. So here it is. What's the gospel? For what I've received, I pass on to you as of first importance. Christ died for our sins. He was buried on the third day according to the Scriptures. Or He was raised on the third day according to Scriptures. And then He appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, to the twelve. At another time, He appeared to more than 500. And He says, who are still alive at this time. He's like, go check it out. Jesus has risen. He's appeared to people. The story's going out. Go check it out. And then He says, God appeared to me. The last of all is one untimely born. And then He begins to talk about what Jesus has done. And, and I just want to show you, he begins to talk about the kingdom in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Um, the work of the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, we'll go to 22. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Jesus is making us alive. But each in turn, Christ the first one, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, and then the end will come. Here's the timeline. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Check this out. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Paul is quoting from Psalm 110. This is the most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament. When people talked about Jesus, this is the verse they were using. He must reign until all things have been put under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Do you guys see what God is doing? He's reigning over all things. The nations are being blessed through him. All peoples, all nations, all tribes all around the world, and the very last enemy to be defeated is death. It's just like Joshua, putting all things under his feet. He must reign until all things have been put under his feet. So if that's Joshua, if that's Jesus, our greater Joshua, who does that make us? We are the fulfillment of this promise. As Jesus reigns in our heart, As we share the gospel with people around us, the kingdom is growing and expanding all around the world. It's like that mustard seed. What's the kingdom like? It's like a mustard seed. It starts out as the tiniest seed. It started out with just 11 followers, right? And it begins to fill the entire earth. Isaiah says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And so Jesus is literally fulfilling his promises today 
in you and in me and in believers all over the world today. It couldn't be more exciting. It couldn't be more incredible what God is doing in the world today. See, we have a promise to pursue. You have a promise to pursue. And it's a promise of victory and taking the land. It's taking the land as you bring all things under the rule and reign of Jesus. And did you know the number one territory that God wants is our heart? That's the number one territory. Are you allowing Jesus today to rule and reign in your heart? Have you surrendered your life to him so that you can experience forgiveness, eternal life, and the blessing of a relationship with God? This is what God is doing. He's bringing all things under his feet. And so are you allowing Jesus to reign in every area of your life? Are you bringing all things in your life under the feet of Jesus? I'm bringing my singleness today under the feet of Jesus. I'm bringing my marriage today under the feet of Jesus. I'm bringing my schoolwork today under the feet of Jesus. I'm not going to be afraid to share Jesus online. I'm bringing all things under the feet of Jesus. He must reign, and he will reign, and the victory is assured. This is what God is doing on the earth today. Some of you who are retired, I'm bringing my retirement under the reign of Jesus. I love the story of Caleb. Caleb's a beast. 85 years old, he's still taking land for God, isn't he? What promise would you per pursue in your life if you knew Jesus had already won the victory? See, for us, for our family, oh, there's so many. But I think about our neighborhood. Literally the place where our feet walked. We have a, we have a bus stop right in front of our house. And last year, Lydia started kindergarten. She rode the bus for the very first time to Upper Moreland Primary School, and we cried the whole time. <laughs> this year, school's online. There's no bus coming to the bus stop. We thought, how cool would it be? First day of school, 2021, there's no buses. What if we invited all of our friends that we met at the bus stop last year, all the, the families and the kids? First day of school, hey, come, 8.15 in the morning. We're going to have a bus stop with coffee and donuts. It's awesome to see neighbors come out, kids, just to connect again. Guys, that's tangible kingdom. The kingdom is here. We only need to make it tangible to the people around us. This is what, this is what drove Martin Luther King Jr. as he fought for racial justice in the 1960s. You think about all he went through, being arrested, you know, thrown in jail, assassinated, all that. What drove him? It was the idea that justice couldn't lose because the world is headed to justice. Listen to this. This is from an article he wrote called racial justice and nonviolence. This is just incredible. It was a mind shift for me as I read this. King says, the method of nonviolence, which is a hard method, right? The method of nonviolence is based on the conviction that the universe is on the side of justice. 
When you're fighting that battle, what's your conviction? What's, what's holding you through? It's that the universe at the end of the day is on the side of justice. And he goes on to say, he says, there's something at the very center of our Christian faith. How many of you know Martin Luther King Jr. was a Christian? This was based on his Christian faith. He goes, there's something at the center of our Christian faith which reminds us that Good Friday, the day Jesus died, may reign for a day, but ultimately it must give way to the triumphant beat of the Easter drums. And that kept him fighting. This world is headed to justice. We cannot lose. Our victory is assured. And guys, what we learn from King is, yeah, although the world is getting darker, what we learn from Martin Luther King is that when we look at the world and the issues going around us, on around us, our job is not to be afraid. Our job is not to retreat because we know whose kingdom is coming. And it is a kingdom of righteousness and joy and peace. And he is going to win the victory. It's why we support organizations like Justice Ventures and International. JVI, they're, they're uh, fighting for freedom and justice for victims of human trafficking. Because we believe Jesus is bringing an end to that in the world today. It's why we care about orphans and adoption and why we're supporting orphanages in Uganda and Transnistria. It's why we want to see the end of Roe v. Wade in our generation. Because we believe this is where the universe is going. His kingdom will come. And when we, this is what we're a part of, guys. You know, so many things are going to pass away in a thousand years, but you know the church is still going to be here. Unless we're with Jesus, right? Which would be even cooler. But guys, to be a part of this thing that God is doing in the world, it's incredible. Those promises aren't just for the past. I just want to encourage you one more thing. The blessing of God is going to the ends of the earth. And I don't know if you know this, but in the last 40 years, the number of believers in Jesus around the world today has more than doubled. Did you know that? It, it's gone from 1.2 billion to 2.6 billion. It, it's, it's literally doubled over the last 40 years. This is unheard of in religious history. There is an incredible move of God going on around the world, and we get to see it in our generation. I, I, as we gone through this pandemic, I thought, hey, has this, has coronavirus stopped the mission of God? And I, I started talking to, uh, to Jerry Kimbrough. He's a part of an organization called Surge. They're a mission-sending organization. When we give to hope, it goes to Surge. That's part of our giving. And I said, Jerry, has, what's happened with coronavirus? Is it slowing down God's mission around the world? You know what he said to me? He said, this is crazy. In this last season, the number of people applying to go around the world today has more than doubled. Rather than slowing it down, it's only speeding it up. Guys, Jesus is winning the victory all around the world today. It cannot be stopped. China cannot stop it. Iran cannot stop it. The coronavirus cannot stop it. The promises are true. Jesus must reign until all things are under his feet. What do you want to begin to put under the feet of Jesus today? And so as we wrap up today, I just want to encourage you, you have a promise to pursue. Will there be battles? Yes. Will it be easy? No. 
right? There are battles ahead for Joshua. There are battles ahead for every one of us in this room today. But I want to encourage you as you're pursuing the promises of God in your life to get in the habit of reminding yourself that God is at work. God is at work in my story. God is at work in the world around me. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm actually going to be even more courageous. I heard a message by a guy named Tim Elmore, and he was talking about building resilience in the next generation. And, uh, and I'll close with this. It was an interview, and the guy was asking him questions about, um, about the next generation and about um, how we can impact the next generation. And, and it got to a point in the conversation where it got very personal. And, um, and, and Tim Elmore actually went off script a little bit, and, um, and he shared that every single day, before he gets up out of the bed, he says four things to himself. And I know we all kind of think that's weird. It's like, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. You know, kind of like, and so he's a little bit embarrassed to share that he has this habit of saying four things to himself every day. And so he's a little bit embarrassed, and he, he just begins to share, and he, he, this is what he says. He says, um, he says, I know this is going to sound corny um, and maybe cheesy for some of you, so bear with me, but here's my four statements. Before I get out of bed every single day, I say to myself, God is on the throne. His promises are true. The devil is a liar, and my faith is the victory. I was like, that is the best way to start your day I've ever heard. I was driving. I literally pulled my car over so I could write those four statements down. And that's how he starts his day every day of the week. So we promise to pursue. And whatever you're facing today, whatever battles you're facing, this is what we know. Write it down. God is on the throne. His promises are true. The devil is a liar. And our He must reign till all things come under his feet. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for being our awesome Savior, for going into the battle, dying on the cross for our sins, loving us so much you gave everything so that we could experience the blessing of a relationship with you. So help us today not to give up, not to give in. We surrender the territory of our heart to you. Come and reign in our lives, Jesus. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let the good news of Jesus transform our homes, our marriages, our lives, and the entire world. Let your kingdom come and begin with us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand.